0: greetings everyone it's g3 and on this week's green marbles i have jordy visser on the other side of the mic to talk about a topic near and dear to his heart have you guessed it the topic is crypto and in the wake of the recently reported cpi number you may be wondering how crypto bulls like jordy are feeling and i was certainly interested in getting jordy's viewpoint especially because of the widely anticipated ethereum merge And all of the implications that could follow. We get into that as well as many other crypto related topics on this week's podcast. So please check important disclosures at the end of the episode and stick around for this one. And with that, welcome. Jordy, great to see you on this lovely fall or late summer day. Is it still
1: summer or are we officially in fall? Well, based on the fact that yesterday walking through the city, you needed equipment to get through the uh, humidity. And today there's no humidity. I'm going to treat today as at least the unofficial beginning of fall. Sounds good. Happy fall
0: then. So last week we got back into the swing of things. We did our typical Wednesday morning podcast released on Friday. And during our recording, you reiterated your constructive stance for equities. Then during the Friday morning meeting, you kicked up the argument into higher gear and predicted a significant new leveraging by hedge funds. You used the term new bull market, which would include clean energy, longevity and blockchain. You pounded the table and I thought to myself, what did he put in his smoothie that morning? Because he was on fire. And I'm guessing that the hotter than expected August CPI print, which of course is backwards looking and has certainly taken the market for a ride, hasn't diminished your underlying thesis, your underlying bullishness. I know that you also delivered a presentation at a conference recently entitled Crypto, the Future of Money. Now, anyone who has listened to this podcast knows that you have been pounding the table on crypto and Bitcoin specifically for some time. So today I wanted to just give you a chance to talk about your previous bullishness and your current bullishness on crypto. And to start, I think we should just get it out of the way right up front. I know lots of people have reminded you recently that your crypto call has been wrong. And what you have said to them in the past and what you are saying to them now is something that I'm very interested to hear as it relates to a bull market, a re-leveraging call, and the like. So why don't I hand it over to you and talk about what you say to people?
1: Normally, you give me one question. There was like a whole bunch in there. (laughs) I got to go through. Maybe I put something extra in my smoothie (laughs) as well. (laughs) All right. Well, let's start with the first point related to the bullish call. Of course, I've completely thrown it out. I'm now bearish. I've changed every viewpoint I had. I mean, we got a, a core CPI number that sent core CPI higher. That's it. I'm out. This is it's like watching the first Jets game this year and having all the optimism going in and then Second, the Ravens score against him, I bailed out. Now I know it's going to be a two and 15 season. And I'll use a football analogy for the bullishness, which is if you're watching a football game and let's assume you're betting on the favorite, it's a seven point favorite. And what the CPI was to me was the other team scored a touchdown on the first first series of the game. So of course it changes the odds of you winning in terms of anything. But again, I talk about this all the time. We've done it so many times. We live in a world where everyone wants binary things. It goes up, it goes down, it's bull, it's bear. That's not the way things work. I mean, markets do go higher over the long run. And that's why when people are called perma bulls, if you're called a perma bear and all time highs happen most of the time, you can go through life trying to play this. I don't get involved in that. We had one number come out that has made people think the Fed might go 100 next week. If the Fed goes 100 next week, it is a speed bump in the things that I've talked about. But I'm going to just reiterate this one time because it'll go back into the crypto side and why in terms of crypto, I have a very different view than most people in terms of how it's worked and what a bear market is in crypto. $6.4 trillion was created. (laughs) We talked about inflation for the entire time at the end of last year as a problem. So far, $3.2 trillion has been spent using nominal GDP as a measure, which means we are exactly halfway through the amount of money that was put in the system. M2 will probably not grow in any meaningful way because of the rate hikes and because of quantitative tightening. But there is still $3.2 trillion in a $23 trillion economy. So the reason nominal GDP is still high is because the money sitting there. Hopefully... Based on the fact that sentiment remains incredibly negative, that people will be forced at some point to put money in the work. This doesn't change any of those facts. What it does change is that the Fed might raise rates a little bit more. But as I did in the webinar, that everyone listening to this, if they haven't seen it, it's on g I put it out after the CPI number and I go through 30 some odd charts that you can go through. And you don't have to agree or disagree, but there's a lot of information in there that defines kind of my viewpoint. So that's the first thing. I always approach economies based on the simplistic side of nominal GDP we have a tremendous amount of money out there and the earnings and the revenue says it's still important. The ism just bounce gas at the pump has gone down. I haven't changed anything, but I do think if the fed overreacts to this inflation number, that stocks are going to have a harder time going up for the near term. But I still think earnings will drive it in terms of crypto I did give a presentation last week and it was actually interesting for a variety of reasons, which we can talk more about. But I do want to say on the crypto thing of being wrong, people have to think about this again as rather than getting focused on wrong or right, this is a long term thesis. You want it to go down (laughs) to give you more opportunity to get in. The funniest thing is to see how many people buy after a massive rally and then ignore it in a big fall. The beauty of higher volatility having trade emerging markets is these things, when they go up, they go up faster. So I'll just give you some data. You're investing in all assets. Why are people complaining about crypto? At the end of 2019, December 31st, 2019, before COVID, here are the returns for assets. The s and is up 22%. Nasdaq's up 37%. Mega Cap Tech is up 46%. ARK, the innovation ETF is down 14 percent. Bonds, measured by the Barclays Ag, are down 14 percent. Bitcoin, if you had the luxury of investing in it, is up 180 percent. Ethereum is up 1100 percent. I think people have to stop playing this game of investing when things go up. And if you believe in the long term thesis of this growth and this innovation, you have a tremendous opportunity to put money into Ethereum and Bitcoin right now. Part of the reason why some very smart people have trouble making the
0: move and actually putting capital to work in crypto is because they still can't fully grasp it. Now you have talked a lot about how last year NFTs became the trigger for your broader understanding of blockchain and how it would accelerate. Now, NFTs, of course, have taken it on the chin as of late. Do you have any updates on your view there and what's your sense as to where NFTs
1: fit into the future of crypto and the broader blockchain system? All right. So now I'll kind of use this question in the conference that I spoke at last week because I spoke at a BCA, which is a macro research place. The title was The Future of Money. It was Cryptocurrencies, The Future of Money. They had an author who's a professor who wrote a book, I think, titled The Future of Money. Just knew everything you could possibly know about cryptocurrencies and the blockchain. And he spoke for 25 minutes. And, you know, some of it was over my head. He didn't have slides. And I sat there and I looked around the audience. And I'd say the average age of the audience was slightly older than me the professor was around my age. I've never been to a crypto conference or someone speaking about crypto where the youngest person was like 50. So (laughs) this was a, this was a, a weird event, but he spoke for 25 minutes and then I had to go up there. And I've told you before, I hated school and no offense to the professor, but without slides and talking about things and mentioning stable coins and tether and going through stuff, I saw people's eyes like Okay, this is what makes it hard. So I'm going to start talking about this in another new way to translate where I think the NFTs fit and where Web 3.0 and the blockchain fits with inside the macro world. So we've talked about the fact that the fiat system before this year was about 500 trillion dollars. The crypto world before this year was somewhere around one and a half to two trillion market cap. So the belief has been that money and talent will continue to move from the fiat system into this. When the fiat system goes down by 15 to 30% and innovation goes down, crypto will go down. Anyone that doesn't think this is correlated to innovation is crazy. Now, if the NASDAQ goes down 7%, that doesn't mean that Bitcoin and Ethereum can go up dramatically. But during times where you see technology go down 50 to 60%, And things like arc on innovation, which are long-term innovation beliefs, go down 70 to 80. You can't expect crypto to go higher. But what is happening is I think people have to start thinking about this as a country. And I say that because we talk... I'm sorry, thinking about crypto as a nation. Crypto, blockchain, let's just say the Web 3.0, think of it as... The economy of this new country. This new country is borderless. It allows people to come in from anywhere around the world, which technically was the reason or one of the hopes of the original World Wide Web was that it would bring people in. But by having this as a country, Bitcoin ends up being the money of the country. You end up with Ethereum as kind of the AWS or the Amazon, which to me allows the growth of companies or apps. And that's what the tokens and the NFTs are. But let's be clear, you don't think crypto or tokens are going to replace the dollar or any of the other major fiat currencies, correct? No. In fact, that gets back into this binary thing. Amazon didn't kill every retail company. There's plenty of retailers out there. There's balls that Amazon has a store in it, but there's more retailers that are not Amazon. So it will coexist with the, the the physical world. And maybe 50 years from now, it'll be bigger than the fiat world because innovation will keep going. But for the time being, they will coexist together. Okay. And I agree with you, by the way. People who have been paying attention to crypto as of late
0: may have come across the news of the upcoming Ethereum merge. Much in the same way it sounds like you did at that conference where you explained things in a way that most people could understand. For those unfamiliar with what this merge is, can you give a brief explanation of it and describe why it's important?
1: Yeah. When this came up or a version of this came up at the presentation last week, and they asked it to me, I think because They wanted an answer that people could understand, keep it simple, stupid. Like I was the New York Post and he was an encyclopedia and I think they wanted the New York Post version. Give Um, me the New York Post headline (laughs) on the merge. Well, I deferred to him. (laughs) He gave his version and then I translated. So in this case, I don't, I'm going to just go off. So here's my simplistic way of describing it, which is we've gone from a concept of proof of work, which is basically to create the, or to go through the necessary process for the authenticity, the amount of computing power that is huge is incredibly energy intensive. This has always been a negative that people bring up as to why this will stop growing at some point, which is very important. And I do agree. If you wanted to be negative on this country that I talked about, if you think about it as a country, we had already seen China shut down mining. And part of the reason behind it was the incredible energy-intensive usage that was going on. To put it in numbers so people understand, the power used, the electricity used to make the process of the blockchain and to create these blocks work, it was last listed from what I saw as the 12th biggest country in the world in terms of energy usage, greater than Italy, smaller than the U.K., number 12 on the list with China and the US and India in the top three. You got to think about that. So proof of work was very hard. So what they've been working on for some time, and the merge has been talked about, you can find stuff on the merge from uh, a while ago, was the movement to proof of stake. By going to proof of stake, and again, the merge means just like we said with crypto and Bitcoin, they will coexist. They're not The merge means they're both going to be there. But this new part of the Ethereum will end up being approximately 99.95% less energy intensive. So with that happening, if you think about the relationship between innovation and energy, hopefully, and this won't happen day one, but hopefully what will end up happening as this ecosystem starts to broaden out is the overall fees will come down for transactions and the speed will go up. At a minimum, it will increase scalability. And that's one of the things that you worry about with innovations is will this be scalable? Will this be able to roll out to more and more people? Will they be able to handle it? So this is a big deal. I don't think in any way, shape or form this is a trigger event for anything necessarily positive in the near term. But I do think in the long term, if you look at this as expanding the highway for people to grow new businesses or grow new places, again, I use AWS as the example. AWS had a huge part of kind of growing the ecosystem. The App Store had a huge part of growing the ecosystem. You need to have these points in time. And at the time that they come out, when the App Store came out, it's not like everyone said, well, this is it. This is going to set off everything. We're going to have so many companies build their stuff on this platform. It took a while. And then you look back and you're know, like, the App Store was a big deal. I think the merge will be a similarly big deal. There are risks with it, but I think it's going to end up being a big deal in hindsight.
0: So, lots of people I know and talk to in the space are thinking that this is a classic case of buying the rumor and selling the news. Given the fact that
1: you think a lot about the behavioral side of markets, do you have a point of view on this? I think rather than focus on the merge as an event by itself, I think the most important thing is what I talked about in terms of the fiat system. If assets in the fiat system continue to go down, if we have a recession next year because the Fed continues to raise rates and inflation doesn't come down, all of the long-term innovation themes are just going to sit down at the lower levels and crypto is going to end up being down here, which means it would be a sell the news event, and I think that's probably what people are looking at because I've heard the same thing, but I think it doesn't just have to do with that. I think the Fed meeting next week has more impact on what's going to happen with Ethereum and Bitcoin for the rest of the year than does the merge. All right. Well, for those people who say, all right, Jordy, I believe you, I want to
0: get some exposure. It's a long-term play. It may go up or down in the, in the near term. The Fed may have an impact, et cetera, et cetera. For those people who... By your argument that the time to get involved is when crypto is trading down, not trading up. What do you say to them in terms
1: of the most simple ways in which to gain exposure? Well, right now, the simplest way to me is still what we've talked about here, which is I would take the five biggest (laughs) tokens, coins, starting with Bitcoin and Ethereum as the bulk. And I'd invest in them all. That's the way I'd go. I do think Ethereum will have a higher growth rate than Bitcoin. That's why I've called Bitcoin kind of the the SPY, to use an ETF frame, of the fiat system. And NASDAQ is Ethereum. The one thing about ETFs that people think about, they think they're passive. But one of the things in the fiat system that people have to realize is if you invest in the S&P, companies get at it all the time. Right now, we don't have an ETF for the ecosystem of crypto. I think these types of things will come as more and more people try to gain access to it, where whatever the hottest tokens are will enter into the index just by a market cap situation and you'll be getting it. But we're not there yet. So there are private crypto funds. There's all kinds of stuff. But I think eventually, and I know these are coming more and more, you're going to get access to this in a very different way. The one thing I will keep saying to people is rather than focus on whether it goes up or down for a certain amount of time, when you have high volatility, Bitcoin being up 182 (laughs) percent, outperforming everything since the end of 19 is a better way to look at things than to think that it fell from the last nine months when tech went down. And I think for everyone who's looking to invest, just start with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and you can go see the three other largest ones and just have those and stick with those for now. You have talked about some derivative plays on blockchain technology regarding emerging markets and small caps. Can you elaborate on those? Yeah, and simplistically, let's start with what normally happens in innovation, especially since the beginning of Web 1.0, is you want to be long, the disruptors, and short, the disrupted. Now, the theme of this world, this new economy, and I think it's a bad marketing job. So for the crypto zealots that are out there, I would stop saying to people that you want to come in and invest here and bring their money in so that the world, the ecosystem there gets bigger. I think saying a world of decentralization and a country of decentralization, I think it has to be just focus on less centralization. And the reason I bring up long the disruptors short the disrupted is that you want to be long things that are going to be that benefit from less centralization and that to me is very important in this day and age because what's worked during the web 2.0 world and even to some degree during web 1.0 was you wanted to invest and be long centralization so let's give some examples of centralization since web 1.0 started Basically, you wanted to be long developed markets and specifically the U.S. and short emerging markets. I think that's going to change. I think emerging markets have more to benefit from this because the centralized economies are going to fight this and be slower to bring it in. The more centralized you are, the stronger your government is, whether it's China, the U.S., Europe, the harder it is for the regulations to get done at a faster pace. And I think we've already seen this in emerging markets. And so Brazil is a place that I've lived at that I know really is got a problem with corruption and has got a problem with the government and educational. I think they benefit dramatically, and they're one of the leaders in the globe in terms of the crypto world. So emerging markets over specifically mega cap tech in the centralized world. Secondly, small caps over large caps. One of the things that's surprised this year is how well small caps have done versus large cap. As the market has gone down and as recession fears have gone in, And I think that represents kind of a secular change. I think small cap companies are going to be less disrupted than the larger cap ones. And it's not that they won't be disrupted. If the blockchain does what it's going to do, it will disrupt. But Uber is my example always of how eventually you'll have crypto companies that disrupt. And who will lose more than these big mega cap ones that have almost had a monopoly on kind of controlling things? I think the centralized will have trouble. And so I would focus on that type of mentality and always remember that even if you're not shorting things because you're not a hedge fund, you're long them. And what you should be doing is rotating out of tech and having some of that money go into crypto. Because out of big of, tech. Out of big tech. And in general, if you're doing the indexes, remember, you're cap weighted. So you're extremely long, these mega cap companies. And it's not necessarily that they'll go down. But if you take... out of your portfolio from these mega cap tech names, and you put that 10% into crypto, that growth is going to offset and help you with this transition that I think is going to continue. Excellent.
0: Very simple. And I think you've really helped people attach to some of these concepts in ways that maybe some of the more technically minded folks haven't. Next time, can we talk about layer twos? Yeah, we can talk about layer twos. Okay. (laughs) That'll be for uh, our crypto continued conversation, which I have no doubt will continue to be a big topic for you and for me. So thank you so much, Jordan.
1: Thanks, G3.
2: This podcast should not be reproduced, copied, distributed, or published in whole or in part. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The views expressed herein are subject to change without notice. The information in this podcast is based on data regarding current market conditions from sources believed to be reliable. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. You should consult your own advisors regarding business, legal, tax, or other matters concerning investments. Please review related show notes for this podcast and visit www.gweiss.com to review related disclosures and learn more about Weiss.